My name is Pamela Adwakazi. I'm going to be the co-moderator for this webinar together with Florentine Ajwa and Sa'asari. I would like to welcome everybody for the first webinar of the China Trained Africa Professional Series. Today's webinar is in conjunction with the China Trained Ghanaian Professional Network. And today's series is being organized in conjunction um, with these professionals. We're hoping to extend the conversation to other uh, networks on the continent. I'm hoping that everybody will actively partake in the discussion and find it productive. Now, moving on to the panelists, I would like to introduce today's uh, panelists who have volunteered the time to have this discussion with us today. I would like to introduce Dr. Lucy Ening. She is an industrial economist and SME startup and development specialist. We have Dr. Stephen Akiti, co-founder of Cliff NGO and co-founder of Let's Talk Medicine China. There's Dr. Samuel Kujo from Home, Technical Economic Advisor, Office of the, of the Vice President and Executive Director, Aliu Muhammad Foundation. And finally, Mr. Samuel Ojoisaki, Management Consultant and Business Development Manager at African Union College of Communications. Now I'll give the floor to the panelists to give their remarks, and then I'll hand over to my colleagues for the discussion today. So over to the panelists for some remarks. Yeah, so fellow team members, I acknowledge you all, and I'm sending you my warm regards and greetings. It's, I find it a privilege to be part of this uh, guest meeting and discussion to bring out everything that we have had in our hearts from all these years. In fact, I believe that this discussion will go a long way um, Madam Florentine and myself have, have previously had a few discussions regarding uh, Chinese Ghanaian trained professionals and their engagements and then the aftermath, the good and the bad and all. And so uh, this is a good opportune time that we've had. Uh, I wouldn't talk much because I know we have a team, honorable team, able team to also give your opening remark and then we can set off. Thank you. I'm so delighted to be with you, fellow listeners and those joining us via video all over the world. Um, I'm coming to you right from China in the heart of winter after <laughs> our Chongjie festival. We are trying to still seep in after the whole lockdown has been shut, shut down. So currently we are free to go wherever I want to go. And hopefully we'll be able to visit Ghana again. But it's my delight to share with you some of my experience and also some of my, my understanding as a Chinese says, as we, we engage ourselves today. Thank you. All right. So hello everyone, every viewer and listener. I'm also very delighted to be part of this August meeting. Uh, it is a better time for us to share our experience and the challenges confronting uh, ourselves as individuals and also as people from Ghana. And I'm, I'm already 
to come on board with my experience. Thank you all. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, I'm so delighted also to be part of uh, this morning program. I said morning, depending on where you are, I'm Ghana, so it's morning here. Uh, I'm so delighted to be part of this program. And uh, I've, been, I've been back from China since 2013. I was in China for about five years, so I'm sure there's a lot that will be shared. So I'm excited to be here. And when the time comes for questions um, and presentation, I'll do my part to make sure that the expectations of every participant is met. Thank you very much. All right, thank you all for those remarks. I'll hand the, I'll hand the floor to Florentine for the conversations to begin. So over to you, Florentine. All right, thank you, Pam. Uh, and it's great to actually be a co-moderator to Pamela, who is the executive director for the Afro Signing Center for International Research. And uh, it's a joy for us also to be able to have our panelists on the floor. So I think um, just to start off, I want to find out how the China experience began from each one of us. Um, so maybe I'll start with uh, Dr. Enin to tell us how her China experience began. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, this is an overview of my personal experience. I mean, for all of us, for everyone, who's ever had the opportunity to travel outside of the country. We know that migrating into a foreign country can be almost a nightmare, especially when the fears of the unknown sets in. In my personal experience, it was a little bit harsh initially regarding how I gradually got myself marginalized or integrated into the Chinese society how Chinese traditional ideas affected me and still affecting me um, and how Chinese uh, behavior, everything, everyone who has lived there or has Sorry, I think we lost uh, Dr. Enin briefly. Had a relational connection with Chinese will clearly acknowledge the extent of how traditional, yes, um, their own experience, personal self-development, empowerment and all. Living in China for close to a decade, I experienced the dance. I realized that most Chinese uh, who have had international exposure and related well with different racial backgrounds, including the African or Black community, are very well welcoming, warm, tender, loving, and caring towards the Blacks in general, including the Ghanaian community. I was fortunate um, to have an adoptive uh, Chinese family with whom I spent uh, my every vacation with, be it winter or summer. And for this family, I'm very grateful. But for my Chinese mom, I experienced what a mother's love truly feels like as I felt so loved with every minute I spent with her 
and the rest of the family. Adversely, on the other side, typically uh, Chinese, the traditional Chinese were extremely mean and hostile, exhibiting the highest form of inhumane levels of racial uh, racism. In all, my experience was and is still one of the very best with regards to that era or phase of my life. And all I, I right. <laughs> Thank you so much, Doctor. And it looks like you had a full experience with a family and all that. That's really wonderful. Yes, so I'll go to Dr. Akiti to share uh, his experience of how the China experience began. Um, so um, I came to China in 2008 um, to read medicine, but uh, because of developmental reasons, um, my uncle at the time forced me to learn Chinese language. Because he foresaw that Chinese language was going to be the language of a time. Yeah. So, so I spent my time studying Chinese language in Guangzhou before I started. So I, China has been a place of growth for me. I think I had most of my cognitive um, years in terms of um, tertiary education here in China, and I'm still pursuing my PhD here in China. So um, it's been a good place for me to learn. Actually, people who travel to other Western countries will not have such experiences because we, those who came in the early, after those who came around 2008, 2007, we have seen how China have developed and it's, 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 it's had a marking on us as, as individuals that we take it along with us wherever we find ourselves. And it even helps us in our developmental thoughts. China has been a good place for me. I've just like other countries that have some racial discrimination, fine, they are, but you realize that the those racial discrimination just come from those who are not educated. But now in China, almost or most people who have been educated don't uh, react to foreigners that way. China, I'll say, has been one of the best experiences for me so far. That's wonderful. That's really great. You, you've been in China for this long and I, I can see that you are in love with the country from the way you are speaking. <laughs> yes, so, yes, Saji, uh, Saki, please, we would like to hear from you. All right. So, uh, once again, good morning to you all. So, I had planned to go to China uh, at a a very old age. I was working here, I was even married and um, with my background of marketing and journalism, I'd always wanted to be an exceptional leader and uh, a manager. So I once had to analyze which kind of course can I read and where, which part of the world can I go and study? And I decided to read economics. So uh, the, the, the best place to read economics at that time to me was in China. And I had to be a fee-paying student. So you see, it was a deliberate option to go. As a fee-paying student, I had to prepare and then uh, go to China. All the way from Shanghai to Georgian Hanzhou, it wasn't easy. Nobody uh, came to meet me. I had to find my way all the way to uh, Georgian Hanzhou that way. Uh, it wasn't easy. Uh, the experience has been so, as uh, the, uh, uh, other Dr. Lucy and in the began with, it's, it's a mixed kind of feeling where some people will see you somehow, 
and treat you somehow, and others are exceptional. So I'd have, with my experience from Ghana, I'd Uh, did we lose Saki? Okay, that's quite unfortunate. I think he's having a bit of network issues. So maybe we'll give the floor to Dr. Frimpon to share his uh, China experience with us. And we'll go back to someone when he comes back online. Oh, thank you very much. Um, good morning once again. Good morning. Uh, yeah, my China experience was quite an exciting one. Uh, I went to China in 2008, October. Uh, before then, China wasn't part of the, town, the countries that I really wanted to go for school. Um, but at a point, uh, my former boss by then, uh, the late Vice President Al-Haj Aliu Mahama, encouraged me. He was like, China is the industrial country uh, of the century. So if you want to go anywhere to get experience and not just educational certificate, then China should be the place to go. So I took his advice and then in October, I went to China. Um, getting to China, as we speak now, I've not regretted at all. Um, like other panelists already indicated, once you get there by then, there were a few foreigners, if I could say so. So that discrimination was there. Naturally, be looking at you wondering whose color is this especially those of us quite quite darker and they look at our skin color and they are wondering who are they some of them will be bold enough to ask you questions my first experience was so interesting at shanghai when uh, one of the chinese walked walked towards me and touched my skin and he scratched my skin as if he wanted to see if it is dead that made me that dark uh, honestly it was strange to me and i was with another colleague who was like ah would you slap this man? Because it was quite important to him. But for me, it was funny and it was strange to me. And then he left. So from there, from Shanghai, I went to Wuhan, where I actually stayed throughout my schooling. And the students, the Chinese students, they were quite very friendly. And Wuhan was more or less like a student city. So there were a lot of foreign students there. Uh, so I felt, I felt at home. I mean, there are a couple of Ghanaians there. Uh, other African, Africans were there. So I felt at home. I, I was attending an international church, uh, which was quite very wonderful, full of foreigners. So Sunday service was just like as if I'm in Ghana. So that was a very nice experience that I had culture-wise. Education-wise was quite interesting. My course was in English. But just like any other uh, foreign student in China, we're supposed to study a little bit of Chinese in our first year. So I studied Chinese. I didn't take it quite serious, let me be honest with you. Uh, but <laughs> the little one that I, I, I've regretted later on not taking Chinese language seriously. Uh, but I, I did the little that I could. Uh, since my course was in English, it wasn't too much of a problem. Uh, but in all, I'm so happy that I, I was in China and the culture-wise uh, the experience and what I'm actually doing now uh, based on the background that I had in China has really given me an exciting moment uh, of my China.
That's that's really interesting. I'm, I'm happy to hear these experiences. It looks like we all had some very wonderful experiences from uh, touching of the skin and to racism to all kinds of experiences. And I think those are really good. And Dr. Frimpo has just introduced what my next question is to be. I wanted you to share, I want the panelists to share with us their experiences as far as their integration into education, the educational uh, aspects of China, because I think most of us probably went there to study and all that. And today we are professionals in different fields. So maybe I'll start with Dr. Frimpong, who has just started speaking about it. If you can tell, continue to tell us more about uh, the education aspect, how you got integrated into studying in China. So I, I went to China to do my master's. So I did MBA uh, in organizational behavior uh, for master's. And then uh, I proceeded to do my PhD in industrial economics. So all the courses, like I said, were in English. So uh, it wasn't much of a challenge. Uh, I had good lecturers, but for the PhD program, you know, mostly you have to do it on your own. I mean, you have to study mostly on your own. It's more of research based as well. Um, and then that's what that I did was very relevant to me because of the nature of my course and China being a rising country when it comes to industrialization as at a time. So it was very, very interesting for me. And uh, from there, when I came back to Ghana, the integration was quite uh, good. Uh, I, when I came back, I, I went to the academia uh, to, to lecture at Academic City College. Um, I was there for a couple of years, uh, I think about three years or so. Then I left Academic City College to University of Professional Studies, UPSA, uh, until I got my current appointment in 2017 as a technical economic advisor at the Office of the Vice President. Um, the experience that I had in China has been so helpful because we know Ghana-China relation, both diplomatic relation, financial relation, and investment relation. And the vice president being the head of economic management team, and a lot of our activities are related to China, uh, have been very key in that. I'm sure Ghanaians will be uh, we have a little bit of knowledge when it comes to Sino Hydro Project, which is a major thing of this government, a major flagship project of uh, this administration. And because of my China background, I've been keenly involved. Um, anything related to China, uh, I've been very much involved. And I believe it's because of my uh, the China background that I have, both academically and also culturally. Uh, because it, it takes relationship to get most of these things done. And it takes your knowledge academically also to be able to know that things that are being discussed, um, the contract that are being entered into and all those things, the MOUs that are being signed, you, you really understand it. And then you're able to advise the government in that. So um, that's how my integration has been. Uh, okay. So far, so good. I, I'm still, once I'm still in the government, I'm, I'm still making good use of my China experience uh, in serving the people of Ghana when it comes to China-Ghana government relations. That's wonderful. Looks like a, a full-blown uh, integration, both in the education system in China and also back to the job markets in Ghana. 
Uh, Mr. Saki, you're welcome back. We lost you briefly, uh, but I'll come back to you uh, for you to share some of your experiences. I want to go to Dr. Enin to tell us how you integrated into the education system in China. What were your challenges? What were the wins? And how has it impacted your life currently? Okay, so following the FOCAC deliberations, we realized that uh, in order to strengthen the bond and the relational status of uh, China and Africa, Ghana specifically, um, the, the Chinese government continuously, I mean, periodically gives Ghana the opportunity to sponsor some students to study in China. With my experience um, with getting to education uh, with Chinese, university, I was just the seven with one um, former ambassador to China as the secretary, his personal secretary. And so I was just there one day and then I was called that I had just three days to prepare and then submit everything and leave to China. Uh, I was supposed to just um, go online, choose a, a university that I, I thought I, I, I liked. And to me, I didn't know any university. So I chose a university and then the embassy told me that th this was a diplomatic elect. And so they, they, they took me to Huajian uh, uh, University in Wuhan. And so that is where my, my whole thing started. And I, I had to uh, continue my education. Having my basics in economics and mathematics, I furthered on to doing quantitative economics. Uh, given the language barrier, acquiring any form of knowledge and skills at its best requires much effort from the Chinese uh, part. Even though most scholarship award winners are at the graduate and uh, postgraduate levels, professors who are endowed with prerequisite knowledge to teach these various courses, I expect students, like uh, Doc initially said, they expect us to do wide research, span research to help us um, delve deeper in our various uh, niche. <clears throat> in this regard, they they do not expect to spoon feed us, but they expect that we, we spread our wings and uh, learn more in mm. order to thrive better. Once you proudly evolve and graduate, you are then confident to survive the, the fierce challenges of life after studying while uh, raising oneself for the good thereof. To successfully attain this status, while foreign uh, students are giving tuition in Chinese language, uh, students are also encouraged to make a few Chinese friends use digital translators to enhance their written and oral Chinese. In my case, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, I, I got so close to my professor and so I had no room to socialize at all. Uh, my professor, both at the master's level, continuing to the um, uh, PhD level, were both uh, heads of research institutes. The PhD was Research Institute for the Hubei governor. And so he had his own research institute and I had no time at all. Aside my thesis, I was always working for the, the governor. And so there was no chance and uh, I didn't have time for socializing. I could be in the room for about three days, no bath, <laughs> and just researching. Wow. And so you, uh, you all bear me witness that in China, it's difficult to, to buy anything online or go out in without having basic Chinese language um, 
I mean, the, the, the essentials, since almost yeah. all science and posts are written in China or Chinese language. And so uh, basically, this is how I integrated um, in the Chinese academic system. I I'm, 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 I'm tempted to say that you missed out of all the social life in China, but I, I yes. think that that has really I, made... I, I, and actually, actually, I was nicknamed uh, a deadline because anytime my colleagues will call me for any social gathering or outing, I, I, I'll tell them I have deadlines and it was that massive. And wow. so they just called me deadline. So they would just leave me. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's, let's just leave the deadline. and Let's leave the deadline. Well, I hope that that has changed to some extent because I like yeah. Dr. Frimpon who talked about how he enjoyed the church service and all that. It looks like uh, you both uh, have achieved your aim and you, you are working in what you really love to do, uh, but you have different experiences in China. That's really interesting. So Dr. Akiti, we'll come to you. How did you integrate into education? Well, for me, it's, it's, it was an opportunity for me to get into medical school because I had applied in Ghana and they had given me a laboratory, um, um, laboratory uh, lab, lab, like laboratory sciences. Mm -hmm. so it was a privilege for me to come to China. So when I got here, uh, at first, it was all book, you know, and moreover, when I got to China in my undergrad, I, I was an introvert. I think uh, Dr. Frimpong will, will, will bear me witness that <laughs> those days I was an introvert, you know. <laughs> but, you know, as we always say, um, uh, university is a place where you identify yourself and you're able to make the best out of it. Um, I integrated beautifully because I had the likes of um, currently Dr. Martin Asari and Dr. Glenn who and Gojo by then, who actually gave me a good integration into the, the, the Chinese system. And it's surprising to know that the first day I landed in China, Martin picked me up from the airport and the only food he gave me was chow mian, mian. <laughs> and I had to eat the chopsticks. So from this word go, for me, it was is either you integrate or you can't stay. Because he was already speaking the language, he had already written his HSK-5, you know, and he had already set a standard for the Ghanaians in that school to follow. Mm -hmm. So there was no way an incoming Ghanaian was going to bring down that standard. And uh, Dr. Glenn had already said that before he came. So it was as if we were just supposed to follow suit, you know. So it, it was a good time for me to, to learn and learn from the best. Medicine was quite, um, um, I'll say it was quite challenging at the beginning because um, during our time, uh, we had um, lectures both in Chinese and English. It was, it was so interesting that the English classes were given to us mostly by Americans or one one or two American lecturers, or even the Chinese who are schooled outside uh, China for, for some time. But the good thing about this medical training is that it was it's standard. And when we found ourselves in Ghana during internship, we didn't find ourselves wanting. We were able to go through. Um, after medical school 2014, I was in Ghana. I wrote my license exams, as we all do. I passed, I started working. I think one of the days I was on duty when Dr. Dr. Frimpon just badged on me <laughs> at the VIP ward at 37. We had some few conversations here and there. Uh -huh. 
But um, after some few years, about five years after working, um, I worked both in Ted Seven um, and Koko. And also because of the Chinese language and because of my training in China, mm. every Chinese patient that came to Ted Seven was assigned to me. Wow. So, That's uh, so in 2017, um, I was made the, the doctor in charge of Sinopec Africa. Um, they are their office. So I was I was running test seven at the same time they are resident doctor because of the Chinese language. Then um, Gensa Energy started the gas pipeline project, and I was the first doctor to be on it to set up their clinics in the villages along their pipeline project. I think Dr. Fimpo will know that project because he's in government. Uh, so I started that project as their health um, director and also. And also because of the whole Chinese thing, uh, I started a medical tourism business. So if you are Chinese, you get sick in Ghana, we start treating you and we can't see you through, I'll have to escort you to China. So in as much as I graduated in 2014, I was, also, I was always in China once or twice every year because I escort Chinese patients uh, back, to, back to China. So I was on the Gensa project in the village uh, I just drove to Takwa and I received an email that um, uh, there's an opportunity for me to do my postgrad. Uh, will, will I take it up? Um, because I've always wanted to do ophthalmology, even though I was working at the emergency. I always wanted ophthalmology. And Wenjo Medical University happened to be one of the topmost um, medical universities actually in the world that offer ophthalmology. So I got the email, I did my application, then um, the current um, or the former deputy ambassador, Dr. Charles Jamina, called me that uh, he's seen my name and he, he's going to recommend me for the scholarship. So uh, it's also true, the same NOOCs that we were part of, that Dr. Frimpondos was president, that I met all these people. So it's the same China connection that got me this scholarship because I just applied. He saw my name. He remembers that he was a year ahead of me. In medicine, I was behind mm -hmm. him. Yeah, uh -huh. um, so he just called me, and by then he was deputy ambassador. So he recommending you for a scholarship was just on point. So I got my scholarship to come here to do my uh, postgrad in ophthalmology. I finished last year, and I actually finished as valedictorian of the school. Wow. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> after I was offered another scholarship just to do my PhD, which I. I started when I got here, Doctor, um, was Doctor Charles. He, was, he told me because of my experience, I needed to bring something to the Ghanaian community, and so I started what we call Let's Talk Medicine. It brings to tutor international students in medicine and also um, give general information on health, health advocacy um, to the foreigners here in China because most of them may not be able to understand the Chinese well, even when there is. Uh, a medical uh, education launch or something. So I started that and so far, so good. Uh, wow. I'm here. <laughs> that is a rich and a full experience, both in China and in Ghana. And uh, I must say that uh, we are really proud to have uh, such professionals who have transitioned from China to Ghana and some of you back to China as well. It's really great. Uh, Mrs. Saki, I'll give you a chance, but I want to invite uh, Pam who has a question, uh, then she can, uh, we can come back to you. All right, all right. Yes. Um, 
it seems to me that, that Akiti had seamlessly integrated both in the education system and uh, the Chinese society. But what I also want to touch on is I want to know how the others hoped um, if there were any coping mechanisms that they used in, they touched on acceptance in, in being accepted in the society. And I want to know what mechanisms that they used um, in getting through with it. And if they're fully, truly immersed looking back over the experience. So anybody can take a stab at this and then we can go with it. I could start. Um, if it's okay. With my experience, go ahead. I just opened up my heart. I gave it all love because the essence of everything, life is love. And so whether you hate me, whether you love me, whether you give me any kind of attitude, good or bad, I show you love. And that was the beginning of my goodness. And it helped me a lot. They realized that nothing could get at me. And it, it got me so far that on the, on the, on the day I graduated with, with my master's, I was at the graduation grounds when I had a call from another university offering me another full scholarship for a PhD. And then it happened again on the, on the, on the day of my graduation uh, at John Land with the uh, industrial economics. I had another call from the university, same university, offering me a second uh, full scholarship for another PhD if I wanted, but I opted to, to come back. And it was first in the history of, um, and then they used that as a yastic. And for the first time in the history of the, uh, of the university, they offered 27 uh, full scholarship to Ghanaian students and, and stating they should learn from me. So I think the essence of everything is love. Just give it your, your all. Whether they give you attitude or whatever, give it your all, do your best. And then the best will come to you. It's like a mirror effect. Yeah. Okay, so um, let, let, me, let me continue from where Dr. Enin uh, stopped. Um, for me, it was, it was quite a very interesting experience in Wuhan uh, because when I got there in 2008, uh, 2009, uh, we started um, a Ghanaian association, which is NUX Wuhan. So we had NUX China, which is National Union of Ghanaian Students, the whole of China. So we started the Wuhan branch because there were so many Ghanaians there. So, I mean, we were together like a community, Ghanaian community, and it was very, very exciting. Um, we were playing football matches with other African countries. So they also had their own association and groups. Uh, we're playing football matches with them. And some of us, we didn't miss Ghana so much because, I mean, uh, Florentine was there who was running a restaurant and, I mean, she was improvising food for us. Uh, I mean, she'll grind this powdered maize and I don't know how she mixes things and you eat it, you think you're eating food. I mean, so, hey, Florentine, I've forgotten the name of your restaurant. Is it Gala? Galanza or what? La Ganesa. La Ganesa. I mean, I mean, I, I was I was a registered customer. I don't know whether I was a partner. I was not financially a partner, but every day, I mean, I was always eating there. So I didn't miss Ghana too much. The integrity was so great because I mean, food-wise, she manages to make sure that we have the local taste, even in China. And then I spoke about a church 
so every Sunday, the church was another excellent community for some of us. We go to church every Sunday. We had, we had other nationals there. Um, I mean, it was more or less even like a Ghanaian church. We sang a lot of Ghanaian songs because majority of the uh, Christians in the church, the members were Ghanaians. So for me, it was very, very exciting. I didn't have much of a problem with Chinese also along the line because I had a lot of Chinese friends. Even most of them I'm still in touch with. Uh, to the extent that we even formed an association that we call International Culture Exchange Association. Uh, meant for Ghana, uh, not only Ghana, I mean, international students and then the Chinese. And these people were very helpful. Uh, the essence of this association was to help new foreigners who come to uh, Wuhan University of Technology because it was uh, for the university. Um, the Chinese would take them around for shopping in particular. But the new students, they do not understand Chinese. They couldn't speak Chinese. So these Chinese students were part of the association would take them around and it will help them to settle down whatever that they need these Chinese because they could speak English. Uh, they were always there for these foreigners as well. And by then I was a president as well. So of this association. So I was able to always have access to them, whatever that I need anything, uh, they were there also to help. And most of them like were brothers and sisters to me. I mean, I had a very good relationship with them. Uh, I like the first experience that I had when a Chinese has to touch my skin to see whether it is dead or a real human being that is dark. Um, I had also a very nice, interesting um, experience with the Chinese who were very lovely, uh, who were very nice to me. Um, so that's the experience that I had. And Noose China was very good. I mean, it was an opportunity for us to meet a lot of Ghanaians who were outside my city, Wuhan, because we're having congresses. I mean, every year we had congress. So it gave us an opportunity to meet other Ghanaians in other cities as well. Uh, so, I mean, that experience alone uh, made me felt at home. Uh, so when I was supposed to leave back to Ghana, it was quite a struggle for me. Uh, I loved to be back in Ghana. I was enjoying China at the same time. I didn't know what to do, but there's no place like home. So I had to come back home. Uh, just like Dr. Inim decided to forgo the second PhD and come home. The same thing applied to me. I had to forgo every other opportunity that I had to come back to Ghana and, and come back to save my mother Ghana. Um, so that is it in a way that I can respond to your question. Thank you. So would you say that having an African community within China was what helped you the most? Because from your experience, it looks, looks that way. Yes, I mean, the African community in China was very, very helpful. And I'm sure those who get themselves involved, those who are in China now, who still get themselves involved, it will be very helpful to them. Uh, because it serves several purposes. One, um, the culture-wise, because you share the same culture with the people. So anytime you are with them, you felt at home. Secondly, those who can speak very good Chinese among them, anytime that you need help, you can call on them, you can help them, uh, they can help you uh, because they will understand you better when you need something. I like the Chinese who can who can speak English and assist you. These people culture-wise will understand. So when you need anything and they are helping you in decision-making, um, they feel part of you, so they'll be able to help you. So the African culture that is in China um, was very helpful to some of us. 
And, and I'm sure it's going to be helpful because I know these associations that I'm talking about are still there. And those Africans who are part of this association, I'm sure that China African or the culture, the, the African culture associations that are there will be very helpful to them as well. Okay, I think I, I integrated um, in a different way. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I integrated quickly with the Chinese before integrating with the larger African community uh, because I was my first roommate was a Nepali and I found myself with his classmates who were they were all doing their course in China, Chinese so I found myself with Chinese friends first and just because I knew I always have my Ghanaian people always there but my core friends in my first year were quite chinese um i think the language is something that is able to break barriers uh, when it comes to china uh, immediately start speaking their language even if you are making mistakes they laugh at you they correct you uh, you try what they do if it's about eating their food just eat it as artists sometimes um it's about uh, going out with them play some of those their yeah, games um i i think one major thing that helped me integrating well here um, is the language. And secondly, I'll, I'll, I'll accept what Dr. Frimpo and the others are saying, the Ghanaian community here actually took care of us. One thing that also helped us was that in as much as we knew we were in our various cities, every year we knew we had the ICFC conference that will bring everybody together, you know, uh, from the South, from the North, we will meet up, this was more of a church, a religious activity, but then it had its own social um, um, activities in there. At least when we met at ICFC conferences, we also met as Ghanaians at the end of the, the Congress. We, we shared our contacts and also we tried to uh, know one of few things and we learned from uh, our senior colleagues who have been here. And lastly, um, one way I also integrated, especially in the in Guangzhou, was um, for the for the working class in Guangzhou. What they did for us those days was that they invited us home. So once in a while, they invite all of us home, and if it's about home meal, they just give us home meal. Sometimes after eating, they they used to give all of us like hundred or two hundred quite each, and they will book they will book our taxis home. So you felt that you had like uncles, you know, even though you are not related, but so far as the new York Ghanaians, they, they always had your back. Uh, even when we had problems in school and called them, they were always there for you. Uh, I'd like to say a kudos to the late uh, Mr. Osei, uh, who, who, who actually passed away. He was like our godfather in, in, in Guangzhou. Wow. Okay. So do I come in and then begin from where I, I was lost again okay, anyway, let, let me come in. So in China, I think one thing I didn't do well was to learn the language. My, in fact, my course was being offered uh, in English, in the economics, and I wanted to be so good. So I was just taking the English courses seriously. And so I got to the last year and I asked myself, so are you going to leave this country without a language? And then, uh, behold, I started learning. I, for every chance at all I, I had, I took it seriously and I learned it 
So my, my colleagues would be like, wow, how fast have you been able to learn this? Now you could speak war. Even now, and if I, if I spoke Chinese, people would be like, really? You still can remember your lines? And I'll be like, you know, that level, the, I, I'm, I'm still holding on to it. The language and the culture is super. The Chinese themselves are fantastic. I mean, if as we, we began by saying, if those um, who are a bit enlightened with the foreign um, experience, they hook up to you beautifully. They, they see you as one of them and they do everything with you. So that made my experience there, in fact, interesting. Again, coming fast forward to what we're just discussing right now, the community, the Ghana community, or the, uh, the let's say the African community, if you hold on to it, you, you will love to live in China. And for your, your stay will be memorable. I, I had, in fact, we had one lady here by name Dokas Adade. She was also at Hanjo, but in a, a different school, as Dr. Frimpong will say, or Akiti said, uh, you know, the, the granola soup that uh, Auntie Flory was doing, this Dokas will also will prepare something and then, you know, some, I will have to trek. I have to walk all the way from my university so happily to get to her university to eat. And sometimes when I'm coming, I have to take off my dress and just be on my singlet, you know, just be, you know, trotting. Because with excitement, it's like, hey, Ghana here again. So uh, Dokas did well. And then we all went to church at the same place where we meet other Ghanaians coming from other universities. So it will, it will make you gel and wanting to have more. In fact, I, I was itching to leave China to come to Ghana because I had other plans to move to Europe. But you see, when I had finished my master's, uh, master's in Europe, I was thinking to go to America to do my PhD. But you see, uh, finally, I thought of going back to China. And in fact, I applied to China to be my PhD, to, to start my PhD over there, right on Fortnite. I couldn't finish and I have to be in Ghana to settle. And then when you are in Ghana, people, you know, I think we all have this experience. When people get to know that you, you're schooled in China, they'll be like, really? And China and what is in there? And I'm like, hey, do you know what you're talking about? Where again would you want to study? Tell me, where again would you want to study? Because it is super, it is super experience to have to study in China. Yes, um, maybe that's my take for now. I, I, I would want to talk much, much on professional experiences and challenge, challenges that confront us as a nation. And uh, so maybe our next webinar, I want to be more practical in terms of our professional lines than the culture. Thank you very much. Thank you, I'm done. Anyone? <laughs> Yes, as I was this, you all talk about coming home to settle. Um, a few of you have touched on about um, where you're working, the job opportunities, but nobody has mentioned challenges. Were you guys faced with any challenges when you first got here, settling back into society? What was it like for you? Okay, so I'll begin, I'll begin on this note. So when I got here, uh, I remember I came here in 2015, and then I had some few friends connecting me to some Chinese who had been in the country and wanted to set up businesses. And then what are the businesses? It was mining and they wanted me to help them to get into the interlands for, and I said, no, I'm sorry, you know what? For what I learned from you, you know, the kind of discipline I've learned from you, 
you wouldn't want me to lead you to do something that I would not have the opportunity to do in your country, irrespective of the amount, the money you'd want to get to me, I'm sorry. So I stood by the ground because you've learned in their country and you know you need to go by some rules and you know how precious they take their lands to be. Why would that allow you because you have studied in your country and I don't know how the condition would be that I'll sell off my conscience and allow you to come to my country too. So in fact, I'm one of the few people who wouldn't allow myself to be taken to the grounds of mining or any other thing, which I think is illegal or will not serve my conscience right. Not, uh, the, but, but then thereafter, I had some few other opportunities where in the line of, uh, if you could teach Chinese in other schools, and no, I, I, could, I didn't take my Chinese so serious when I was there. So I, I wouldn't take that offer too. But in terms of management, economics, and I mean management, I've had a series of uh, opportunities, even including the China Railway uh, Company, which you, we all know is a big company in China. So when I had a chance to uh, give them a service uh, consultancy, uh, I was so happy because that was what that was uh, of more of professional of what I do. So I had to deliver, and uh, that is it. And even that one was through a, a courtesy of the same Dockers who was cooking for us in China. She was in that company, so she recommended me to that uh, company, and then uh, lo and behold, I delivered. Thank you. Okay. Yes, um, I, my, my was quite, uh, my challenges are not that much. The only one has to do with uh, general perception. Uh, I think uh, Mr. Saki touched briefly on that. Uh, I mean, if I say general perception about the fact that people wonder, uh, what did you go to study in China? I mean, among all the countries, why China? So, some people really look down upon uh, Chinese education, let me put it that way, uh, and our qualification. I remember a couple of interviews that I attended when I came back. The first question they asked is, among other countries, why China? And I wonder why they should ask that question, because why should it be UK? Why should it be US? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yes, I mean, almost every interview that I attended, that question came up. Then I realized that it's, it's a general perception. Um, so among my colleagues, I mean, sometimes you as an individual, you have to be proud of yourself, know your wealth, know what you went there to study, and then you prove yourself as well. Because the fact is that sometimes those of us who study in China, we have to go the extra mile to prove our wealth. Um, that's one thing that I noticed, uh, just because they think that's for Chinese, I mean. And the other thing is that they a lot of people assume that in China, they don't speak English. So if you go there to study in Chinese, you are Ghanaian, how are you able to cope? It means that maybe you, you just went to pass through China and came back with a certificate claiming that you went to school. So you have to go the extra mile to actually prove that you really went there to study and then your, whatever degree that you acquired, it, it's worth it. So that's the only challenge that, that, that I, I, I faced. Uh, some people are not, I mean, so far, nobody's able to say it to my face, uh, but through their action and indirect questioning, uh, it gives you an idea that either they look down upon your qualification or they questioned uh, your decision to go and study in China. But I'm happy that so far, 
China trained professionals or graduate, graduates are really proving their worth. We are proving ourselves wherever that we find ourselves. So some of us are now very, very proud wherever that we go to say that we studied in China. Because you see a lot of us doing very well in our fields. Uh, in the academia, when I was in academic city, uh, I saw a couple of China trained lecturers. And you could see how well we do. Uh, when it comes to award ceremony, you could see that we are awarded, I mean, as best lecturers in our first, the student rate as very high. So now we also become very proud. And then um, the China trained doctors are also making us so proud now. I go to a lot of hospitals. And then, I mean, I meet people, those who know that I studied in China. So, doc, I mean, there's this doctor who studied in China. He's a doctor here. He's so good. And I feel so proud and I look out for them because and I also feel happy that, uh, I mean, people will no longer look down upon us. So that challenge that we faced initially when we came back, gradually it is fading off. And I'm sure that as much as we continue to prove our wealth, it's not unfortunate that we have to go the extra mile to prove because if someone's studying Harvard, I mean, the title, if, with all respect to Harvard trained, if the person doesn't know anything, but that qualification alone, the person will be working shoulder high and we have to go the extra mile to prove ourselves. But I'm sure with time, we'll also get there. And I'm hoping that we'll continue um, to prove that, I mean, Chinese trained or China trained are also equally good, if not better than other uh, country, uh, nationals trained. Uh, and that challenge will become something of a past. Aside that, uh, I've not faced any other challenge so far uh, at my workplace since I came back from China. Thank you. Dr. Enin. Yes, please. Um, I think that my wonderful co-moderators, um, Dr. Akiti, um, Sasaki, and then Dr. Frimpong have just said it all. So I'll just put it in a summary and then we'll take it from there. I have dubbed this session of our discussion uh, options after China and facing the challenges of being accepted by our very own. And so uh, we love China, we loved China, and we still do. The environment, the serene environment, the food and everything, the people, you know, the fear of returning home in the case of where there's no proper planning uh, is, is, is fear, so much fear, put so much fear to, to people who have migrated to China for academic pursuits. In recent times, I collaborated with uh, Madame co-moderator, uh, Madame Florentine and Saint Asari to conduct a survey to inquire, like I said initially about the productivity of China-trained African professionals um, upon their return home back to Ghana. And I must admit that the response rates were really discouraging for some reasons known and others yet to be uh, dichotomized in order to come out with mitigating factors. Madam uh, co-moderator, co I'm going to uh, share the full details of our findings with you. I know I haven't done justice, but I'll do. With reference to the ABEV, the survey that we had potential, uh, we had potential respondents of about 226 as at then uh, last year. Out of this figure, 
only 41 of the, of the returnees responded to our survey and 18.14% responded to, uh, please forgive me from my, my statistical background, I'm going to give a bit of a uh, few statistics statistic here uh, for, for our understanding. And so we see that 18.14% uh, represented the uh, pilot phase questionnaire. This was taken as a sample to acquire the basic details needed for further action and direction to our interactive endeavor. Given our theme under discussion today, only few of the key findings will be addressed herein. With regards to the year of completing the studies, the survey results indicated that most of the respondents uh, graduated between the, uh, the years 1994 and 2021, with 2013 being the uh, leading number. I think this was as a result of uh, the number of grants and scholarships given during that year. Uh, with, um, with regards to the year of completion of studies, the survey results indicated that um, respondents co completed their studies or training between the years um, 2018, about 14.6%. Upon completion, in terms of um, current residency, 70.7% of them indicated that they are currently back home. Indeed, what are we doing with this uh, number? With only about 29 0.3% still residing in China. And this can be accorded to the COVID and then the travel and relocation restrictions that we had in 2019. It is sad to note that out of this 70.7% who are who indicated that they have returned back to Ghana, uh, it's only about 20% in, in the medical fields that are actively employed with the remaining 50.7% uh, measuring uh, the whole show in other sectors having to face the justice of finding means of their survival, even as graduates, uh, buggers, <laughs> to put it. This is not to say that CTAP uh, are lazy and not hunting for jobs, but the fact that there is a stereotype attached to Chinese certi certificates. Now, there exists uh, professional discrimination or bias, as I will put it, um, and as there's preference given to employees who have studied in other Western economies. This bias does not only affect the certificates and trained professionals from Africa, but Chinese products on the market as well. It's also affecting them. Uh, in the face of all these, coupled with the policy restructure and budget statements currently from the Ghanaian government via the Ministry of Finance, um, I think that there will be no civil service or other government appointments until further notice, hopefully after 2023. I deem it time for returning professionals to venture into self-employment uh, and basic startups, no matter how small, quiet, or college. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, that's, that's a very good summary from your research. And I, we hope to read more of that research to get to know the findings. And it's quite interesting that um, we get these uh, summaries on the challenges that you have experienced trying to integrate into the job markets. 
So um, Pam, if you may permit, I would just want to find out from the panelists um, what in the course of their journey in China, in coming back to Ghana, in integrating, what is it that they would have done differently? And the kind of ad what advice they would have for um, those who are in China now studying and would want to be coming back to Ghana, looking at the current economic terrain, current job market and all that, what would be your advice? First of all, what would you have done differently? And then second of all, what advice would you give to them? Because from all your experiences, I've heard very wonderful things and it's great to uh, pick up from all that you are saying that people, community, connections have really impacted your lives in some ways. So what is it that you would have done differently? And what advice would you have for those out there? All right, so I'll begin once again. If I had a chance to choose another place to study, and I'll tell you, the first option will still be China. But this time, I'll take the language seriously. From the airport, I'll start learning the language. And uh, we must be proud. In respect of the stereotype, we must be seriously proud. Okay, so this is a country of almost 1.4 billion people who take care of themselves beautifully. However, you criticize them, the country is massively, uh, massively built with all infrastructures intact. And all the world is looking on China for other resources or manu manufacturing of other materials for them or resources for them. Which other country would you feel better to learn but the center of where it's happening? That's China. Uh, whatever, whatever being the geopolitics of, of, of the world, you can't downplay China. You can say it to be the second to US uh, or to any other country. China is a strong country, which we must emulate a lot of things from. So anyone who is trained from China with any certification, I tell you to be very proud of yourself. So just be proud of yourself. And yet we know ourselves that anywhere we find ourselves, we are able to prove our worth. So we will not give anyone the chance to look down upon our certification, not at all. Thank you. That's, that's powerful. Yes, anyone else, please? <laughs> okay. Can yeah, I please okay. come in? Yes. Okay, for me, on my side, Listening to our wonderful speakers, I have realized and now re-realized that I missed out a lot because <laughs> I did not socialize that much because, you know, uh, like Doc said, you go home or they give you all kinds of uh, stippings, I mean, sidekicks and all the brown envelopes and you are happy to work, work, work. But I tell you, the world is a better place with a good social capital. There is no gains better than having an account full of good social capital and network. And so if I'm given the opportunity to go back to China or live anywhere, I will capitalize on building networks aside my curriculum. I'll still work hard. I mean, it's the terrain, it's in the blood having been with China, eating their food and all that, it's in the blood, but build on networks. 
relate with people no matter how small i mean minute time you have just connect with someone if possible another person from uh, different from your 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 country learn from other cultures learn from other people learn from other nationalities learn from people and build networks the world is a small place you might need somebody the next minute thank you great yeah um for me the most important thing is uh what mr saki said the language i've really really regretted not studying the language trust me um i remember when i went back for my phd i started to study the language uh, but i think the zoo wasn't there <laughs> so psychologically i wasn't prepared for it and because my course was in english throughout there was no motivation to study the language but coming back to Ghana and seeing the potential and what I would have achieved more if I was able to speak better. Okay, for now, I mean, just the basic, but if I'm able to speak better, I'm able to read and write, trust me, it would have been far, 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 far better. So my regret has been the language. And that's advice I'll give to those who have the opportunity to be in China now, study the language. I mean, take it as your number one priority because China is ruling the world now, whether we like it or not. I mean, China is ruling the world economically, politically, any way you, you we can't run away from that fact. So, and anywhere that you go, if you're able to speak Chinese language, trust me, um, it's becoming even more important with all respect to the French. It's more becoming more important uh, than the French and the Spanish because they are ruling the world. So I want to encourage them to speak language. As if you are studying English language whilst uh, you're in primary school or even in the kindergarten, and to be very, very helpful. If I have the, any opportunity, anything to do again, I want to study the Chinese language because I know that it will be very, very helpful. I see so Dr. Akiti calling to you to go to China. <laughs> I tell you, I, I'm pretending I can't see him. I see the sign he's making, but I mean, if I have the chance, I'll go back to study the language. The way I've gotten to now, it's been difficult to go and spend six months outside Ghana. Quentin and Festos and Onya Simon would have been the best to help me, but he seems even more busier than I am. Um, but I, I'm hoping to get opportunity to uh, to study the language again. Thank you. Okay, so personally, I don't I don't have any looking back. I think um, I'll talk from a different perspective. I think um, I've let's first talk about the general thing. Um, I think everybody here now accepts that the Chinese language is an important commodity now in the world. And with my little experience in Ghana, and I think you people can bear me witness, you can just have Chinese language and you get a job. So far as you speak the language, even without reading, you can get a job. And we've seen multiple of times that we, some of us have even put on the, the professional page looking for translators. And a typical example was on the Gensa uh, uh, gas pipeline project. 
we employed over 15 Chinese translators. And it's a surprise that they were not paid less than $1,000. They were given free accommodation, transportation, and everything. So if we all agree on that, then our advice that those new students now should, should take the language very seriously. Chinese language is now everywhere, and just the language alone can give you uh, something, more of adding something professional to it. Now, in the medical sense, um, I would tell my fellow new medical graduates or those who are still in medical school uh, not to think that the medical education in China is, is not good, it's standard. Because I'm not being braggadocious, but I can say that for a fact that all my colleagues that I graduated with are working and they are top, they were top of their time in any hospital that they, they found themselves. I'm talking about mm -hmm. Dr. Pia Kubis, Dr. Nyoriga John. I can mention their name, more Hammond. They are everywhere, and everywhere you find them, they are top of all their colleagues. Just that it's time for us to start propagating ourselves well. Where when people think that you are trained from somewhere else, no, you reject it and tell them, hey, I'm not trained from there, but I'm, I'm Chinese trained. So that it, it keeps pushing us. Uh, somewhere, you know, it keep pushing the name. And I think uh, we having this program, um, it's, 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 a, it's a good step. At least people start seeing us and the visibility of it will be, will, will be better. Thirdly, um, something that I like to talk about is this. I think um, as Chinese trained professionals, um, one thing we should all be looking at is um, bringing ourselves together. And those who are not in any uh, the Chinese Association in China should, should, should join in because um, this is an opportunity for them to learn from those who have been, those who are in high places. I think I've placed a call or a message, one or two to Dr. Frimpong when, when I need help here and there. And he's been of, of help. We also have people who also call or send messages to you when they need something. It's, it's all about the marketing or the, the networking that um, Dr. Lucy Nim talked about. Lastly, those international students who are on the call, I'd like to advise them that we are international students because we have been given the opportunity to have a relationship with other cultures. And now one of the um, attributes people look for when they're employing you is, um, or called um, people management, you know, and being an international student before puts you ahead of your colleagues because it is said that because you're an international student, you have been able to manage yourself and manage other people with other cultures and you've been able to dwell with them uh, in a different culture altogether than yours. So you, you'll be able to manage people here and there. So if there are international students on this, on this call, I would advise that they shouldn't just find themselves grouping just with Ghanaians or just with Africans, but they should mingle and network with everybody that they find. Fine, it's said that we need to choose our friends, but not all our network are friends. Some of them are just colleagues, some of them are just people in the dormitory, but still we're able to network and have that uh, connection. One challenge I've seen is uh, how we as Ghanaians are unable to apply 
the democratic sense of communism in how we do things back in Ghana. Because we know that in the communist system, truth and integrity is their hallmark. And I think if all Chinese train will have that attribute alone, we'll be able to go far. Where do you know that if I employ Florentine, Florentine has this attribute, even though it's personal, but I think because of our training, we all have it in built in us, whether you like it or not. If you've been in China before, you will have that because it's part of the training for you. You can't go and steal somebody's uh, research paper to, to present at CS. Nobody's going to write it for you. You need to do it because you go for research meetings. I like other places where you can sit at home and somebody write a paper for you. So let's let's push that, that agenda too. Thank you. I can see Dr. Samuel Idris. Uh, but Dr. Frimpong, we are waiting for you in China. So. Yeah, the doc is coming. Dr. Frimpong is coming very soon. He just told me. In any way, you see, I raised my hand just, just for a while so that the um, uh, Dr. Anin can come in. You see, in, uh, saying that if you can inculcate the Chinese discipline in Ghana, it's very, very questionable. You know, we are just 30 million people, and you can see the kind of challenges we have in here. And they are 1. something billion people, but conforming to what the practice has been many, many years. So, you know, they were born into it, I've learned it, and it's been part of them. In Ghana, if Dr. Frimpong will bear me witness, you find yourself in a situation where you may have to rather conform to the Ghana system rather than what you know or what you are bringing on board. I have, I've, you know, I have consulted for many companies, and then that has been the challenge. They tell you, say, I had yes, either you conform to it, or if it's going to be too much, then you are not the one needed for the job. So if we need to really adapt, then the, the Confucius school and others must be strong. And or we, we have to find a way of inculcating it, but that is not our style. I think Ghana as a country or as, as people, our culture by the past used to be having such kind of principles. So what changed along the line? We need to get back. We need to ask our leaders what really changed for the past 40, 50 years and get back to our roots. Thank you. Thank you. Um, are there any systemic, are there any institutional or general issues that you would recommend should be looked at in regard to African studying in China and also in regard to settling back home to make life easy for those that have studied there and returning home? So Dr. Finpong, you can start us off. Hello. Hi. So sorry, I went off. The line went off a bit, uh, so I didn't hear. I just heard my name, but yes. I didn't hear what before my name. Sorry. Yeah, I was asking if there are any systemic or institutional or general issues that you would recommend should be addressed in regard to African students studying in China, and in regard to coming back home to settle here to make life easier. Are there any issues to? Things should be addressed. Well, not really. Um, I think the only side might be those who are studying medicine, and that has only been my concern. Um, 
I've received a lot of calls uh, requesting for assistance, especially when it comes to um, writing the medical exams. Um, those who study in China, medicine in China, want to uh, write their medical exams, their dental and medical council exams. Um, because there's that general perception of discrimination against them. I've taken a couple of steps. I've spoken to the registrar, especially the former registrar, for instance. I, I had a couple of talks with him. Um, administratively, I don't use the way they deny, but they said there's nothing like that. They said the same questions. They use the same marking scheme for them. So there's nothing like discrimination against them. Uh, but what I think we may have to do uh, is to find a way of assisting this, uh, our young ones. Uh, I think um, Madam Florentine, as the president of China Train Professionals, some time ago tried to see her best. Those who are qualified could help the new ones who uh, are now trying to join the system and to write the exams. Um, if there's any way, maybe as an association, because as government, government cannot do that because if we want to do that for China. Then the Russian train will also ask for the same, Ukraine train will ask for the same, Cuba train will also ask for the same. Uh, as a government, um, as a country, we may not have the resources to do that. But if as an association, China train professionals can have a way of liaising with um, other NUCs China or students who are studying in China, the embassy, so that as soon as they come back to Ghana, if it's extra crisis, we may have to organize for them uh, to be able to help them, prepare them very well for the exam, the American exams. I think that'll be very, very helpful. Because when you look at uh, our professionals, they're the only people who really have to write an exam to be able to fit or integrate into uh, their profession. And if there's any way we can help them with that, I think that'll be the best. Um, so system-wise, I think that's what we can do uh, to, to help from our angle as an association. Um, but as a government, I can't really see what we can do in that regard. The only thing is to continue maybe to appeal to uh, those bodies, the examination bodies. Uh, apart from medicals, I don't know any other body. Uh, I don't know if engineers also have that kind of exam that they write. It's only the medical student that I know. Maybe we can just continue to appeal to them so that um, the, I don't know what is the failure rate of the China train, but now with the calls that I'm receiving, I think it's only the China train. The Russians have also, Russian train have also started complaining. Uh, yesterday, they, I had two uh, people, one from Russia, one from Ukraine, they were all trained, who came to my office to see how best we can help them because they've been writing the exams, I think almost four times, yet they've not been able to make it. So I think it's becoming a general issue. And they also think that it's a general uh, perception that uh, because they are trained from Russia or Ukraine, uh, they might not have a good background. So they think that uh, they're fairly treated. So if maybe we can take that issue up, look into it, and see how best we can help them. I think that will also be very helpful. So that's what I can say for now. All right, thank you. Dr. Ening, you want to take a stand of it? Thank you so much. So um, I think that taking it from the economic point of view, industrial economic point of view, 
professional returnees are well aware at how creative and innovative Chinese citizens are at creating a form of SMEs for themselves in their era of competitiveness. In the face of this massive unemployment befalling the Chinese trained African professionals, economic recessions, government declaration of no employment until further notice into the civil service and otherwise, it is high time that we venture into the um, SME sector and take advantage of this venture. On the, on the part of the Ghanaian government and other stake, stakeholders, I mean the able stakeholders, investing in business incubators with strict research and development, monitoring and evaluation to this effect is highly encouraged, like it is done in Wuhan. I know that in Wuhan, there is um, institutions that has these uh, business incubators that seek for uh, creative uh, startups to uh, support them financially, uh, brainstorming uh, in any form of way to help them gain grounds with uh, starting their businesses. Um, I think this is encouraged here as well. On a lighter note, we shouldn't forget our healthy dieting, our exercise regimes, our core values, including resilience, hard work, and dedication in all various endeavors, including uh, uh, trying to learn the language. Even though we are out, we can still learn one or two whilst we are out. For instance, for myself, one key lesson I learned was making change to my diet, which turned me into a strict vegetarian turning vegan now. I still crave my tofu and other unforgettably delicious delicacies. And strangely, this is same for many of my uh, CTAP members. I thank you all for this session. Thank you. That's interesting. Thank you. <laughs> okay. okay. If I would say anything. I would rather recommend we do other session uh, relating to Ghana and its challenges, uh, economical or economic challenges and the way forward. Because I know a lot of people have trained in this direction and they have the expertise to help. But then as we, uh, we talked about the medical um, section, what about people from other professionals who are able to help because we are importing Chinese here all the time to come do some basic things for the country. And I am so aware that other people have been trained in the same areas. So why, why don't we as a group uh, move forward to, as a group, I mean, as a group, China trained uh, professionals move forward with uh, some groupings within us to be able to take some businesses and deliver to the kind of level they expect the Chinese to do because we are more or less trained uh, equally like them, if not uh, better because we had other experiences before we go there. And then the, before I end, I think those were with Wenjo and those who studied uh, medicine. I had a friend, a surgeon who studied there by name Kofi, who was a surgeon, later came to um, uh, practice at Jojan Hospital, Jojan Hospital. 
the mother was uh, a matron at Kumasi. I don't know if any of you could help me find him. And I knew he was trying to move to US when we were in China. So if anyone who knows uh, Kofi, he's, he's not in the US. He's in the US, eh? Yeah. Could you please send me his yes his, his number? I, I don't have I don't have his contact, but because of networking, his 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 little cousin came to Wenjus to study. That's how I got to know him. Because I run this let's oh, talk medicine. Okay. So I bring in some Ghanaian professional okay. who come in and also give medical talks. So I'll try and look 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 for the contact for you. I'll be glad. I'll be glad. That's the power of networking. Yes, I think we yes, have really yes. spoken a lot and uh, uh, our time is actually fast when we didn't give a chance to panel uh, participants to ask questions. So, Pam. Yes, there are people that would want to ask some questions. So the floor is open for any questions that anybody want to pose to the panelists. Hey, Abdi. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah. Great. Um, my name is Abdi Latif. I'm a journalist uh, with the New York Times. Um, uh, I cover East Africa for the for the Times. Uh, this was uh, a, a, a fantastic conversation. I really enjoyed uh, all the panelists um, and their contribution and the way they shared uh, different experiences. I had two questions, um, which was one was um, my first question is. When students, uh, you know, graduate and they come back, uh, I just wanted to know the type of jobs that they're getting. Um, are they fitting mostly into the public sector or are they fitting mostly into the private sector? Um, and the second question that I had was what, uh, you know, so much has been written and said about the relationship between African governments and China, uh, particularly as uh, China has become uh, a top financier of infrastructure and, and other projects in the continent. And I was wondering, what is it that, uh, if you know uh, how African governments are bringing, or if African governments uh, are bringing some of these students into the room when they are negotiating with China, or when they're having these conversations about, you know, getting loans or grants uh, from China, and if, if the returnees are sort of like contributing uh, to any of those efforts, uh, and even if it's not about uh, the policy level discussions, at least even in, you know, being there as arbiters or like translators um, and so forth. Thank you. Okay, so um, I think I'll just help with the, the second question. Um, I have witnessed uh, one before uh, in 2019 before COVID with yes 2019 before COVID uh, we had um, some Ghanaian delegations here in Wenjo to me the Wenjo or uh, the Chinese business comments uh, conference where there was deliberation in terms of economic management and also how China can invest in 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 Ghana we had the opportunity to be used as translators and also, um, apart from that, uh, we also helped in, in liaising with these Chinese investors after they left. So we were kind of um, the middlemen between the embassy, the Chinese um, counterparts here in Wenzhou, and then they re relayed the information to, to those in Ghana. 
And through this, uh, I can see that um, we have some of our, our students who graduated from the universities here who, who got a job with uh, one of the firms back in Ghana um, as a result of their investments uh, in Ghana. So because we were part of, of that, when it came to employment, we were looking for a managing director. We just had to recommend our own who had just graduated from here. So yes, uh, when the opportunity comes, we, we are given such an opportunity. And also I think Dr. Frimpong also made mention of the fact that because he schooled in China, he, he's been on the board for almost all the the Sino Hydro or any Afro Sino contract that the government of Ghana uh, is plans to 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 go into. Yeah, I, I think Dr. Kitty has really answered the, the question. So uh, it depends on, um, okay, so let me take the first one. The job market is opened, uh, both private and public, I mean, government and private sector. So as and when an opportunity comes and the individual involved, as a where the individual has interest, and then the person will serve there. Um, so you could see even with the, the panelists, we, we, we find ourselves in different uh, institutions either private or public, uh, because that's where we find ourselves. So the job market is really opened for China trained Ghanaian professionals. Uh, when it comes to whether um, we are well utilized when it comes to negotiations, I think it also depends on our level, um, level the level that we are in our organizations or our institutions. Um, if you speak the language well, like Dr. Akiti said, you can be used as a translator. Uh, if you are also part of management, definitely because they know you have a background, you also be involved in the negotiation. Like I said, I use myself as an example from the beginning because of my China background. Anything that the vice president office is involved in, which has to do with China related, uh, I'm involved. They call on me to get involved because of my China background. Uh, so it depends. In, if it's translation that they need someone, definitely a Ghanaian who speaks very good Chinese that they will use for translation. And we have people like that that work with Ministry of Foreign Affairs. So anytime there is a government negotiation, uh, they use the Ghanaians who speak Chinese uh, for translation. Um, so that's what I can say uh, related to Latif's question. Thank you. There's, a, there's another person in the line, Paris. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, so I my issue is not a question. It's like something like a, a contribution to one of the issues that is raised, and that is to do with uh, whether Chinese-trained academicians are much more respected when they get back home to Africa compared to their European or other Western counterparts. So I am someone who had a benefit to school both in Europe and also in China. And I want to put my experience into perspective as to whether uh, UK particularly system of education can be seen to be better than the Chinese system. And if you ask me personally, whether I think when I was in UK, I can say 
their system of education is better than the Chinese one. I will not agree entirely because both have uh, their own strengths and weaknesses. What I realized when I came to China was that the lecturers sort of like uh, uh, were more careful and put more pressure on me to deliver. And that actually helped me to be able to publish a lot of papers that my colleagues in Europe could not publish. On the other hand, when I went to UK, what I realized was that because I am from an English-oriented background, I was able to easily relate with the English lecturers there because they could speak better English than probably some of the Chinese lecturers. So in my opinion, I don't think the Chinese trained academicians are poorer. I think we have to encourage ourselves and let our work prove ourselves. So wherever you find yourself, you don't have to feel inferior by the Harvard or the Yale uh, people. If you really work hard on your own, you end up at the end of the day proving yourself as good as they are. So this is the contribution that I just want to make. Thank you. Thank you so much, Thomas, for your contribution. Are there uh, any other comments or questions? We've already gone over our time. Pam, your voice is quite far away. I don't know yeah, if everybody. Yes, it's better now. now. Yes. Yes, I was asking if there are any more comments or contributions, uh, questions, because we've already gone past the allocated time. Um, Good. If they are not. Just one second. <laughs> So we had one uh, Chinese trained academician in my university here, teaching in two universities at the same time. So equally, we are good as any. It depends on you and how well we are ready to deliver. Uh. Yeah, I think he finished speaking, but his line went off. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I'm done. I you're just done. finished making my comment. Yes. 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 I think it's frozen again. Yeah, I think it's frozen. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think we can bring this session to an end now. There are no more comments or questions. I want to thank my co-moderator for doing such a wonderful job. I, I don't think there's a question. There's a doesn't no, those are those two. No, they've they've already asked their questions. And yes. in, in a message in the message in the chat page. Oh, okay, there is. Okay, I'll read uh, Lydia's question. She, her question is on the post-study school life. What are the chances of getting work in China for students who are studying in China and a comparison of the job market in China and back in African countries? Does anyone want to start off? Okay, can I please come in briefly? Yes, please go ahead. Um, I think that even though it's competitive, again, I'll emphasize on the language. Once you get yourself acquainted with the language, know something about the language, your chances are higher. 
on my part, even though I did not get the opportunity to really socialize and get um, myself really well with the language, I got recommended by my, my professors. And so every winter, if I'm not going to my Chinese family, I'm being poached by Chinese universities to uh, lecture for them every summer and every winter. If I'm not going home, I'm lecturing. And so it depends. There are opportunities. And if you are good, and it also uh, comes to your relationship with your superiors or your professors, they can easily recommend you uh, to either work in the university. Because I know a colleague who also, after graduating, he was, uh, he, he got a job in his university and was lecturing in his university other than me who was doing the part-time every vacation one and once and so so it depends and there are many chances but the chances are higher when you know uh, the language thank you okay hello i think i can give um my perspective based on what is actually happening happening here in china now so when you graduate undergrad, let's say medicine, uh, you need to write their license exams. And the license exam is purely in Chinese. If you pass, you can work. But if you don't want to write the license exams, you need to do your master's. That's for medicine. When you graduate well in medicine with your master's and you have a good publication, the, the waiver of your license and you can work. Secondly, if you have your license from back home, like me, my permanent license, what they do is that they have what they call translation. So they can translate it for you. Then you can work in China. Those who just do undergrad, that's not medicine, any other course with good Chinese background, you can get a job. And they are those who are easily employed here after graduating because they, they get the job. Most of the Ghanaian boys now are working at Huawei, China. And most of them to have other jobs. Even for now, those who want to even teach English, if you do any other course, you need to have a master's degree before you can get a work visa. So for them, postgraduate is, is a must. Now, for those who want to lecture, you need to have had your PhD. A PhD with good publications. And also now we have a lot of the US or UK Sino universities around where you can find yourself to work where, example like then Nottingham, Nimbo, and all that. And even the university that you graduated from. So my advice is just one, the language. And two, um, there's an app that we use in China now to look for jobs. Those who want to look for jobs, yeah, I think we can send it to them later for them to just download. But the interesting thing about that app is that it's all in Chinese. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but at least you, you can't be translating it just going away because some of them who advocate for people who don't even speak Chinese and you are good to go. Yeah, so it all depends. And very, very importantly, what uh, Dr. Enim said, recommendation from your supervisor uh, really counts. We have some Ghanaians currently in Wenjo that graduated from Wenjo University. They did a, um, 
international trade and economics, about four of them, they are working because they are recommended by their, their supervisors. And these are undergrad people. They just graduated undergrad and they just got a job because they are working visa. Everything has been prepared for them and they are good to go. They are working in companies as uh, international trade um, um, personnel. So there are opportunities. But as we always say, Dr. Philippon said we should go back home and help <laughs> Are there any other questions? Um, we can hardly hear you. Are there, any, are there any other questions before we end the session? If there aren't, I would like to thank Michael, the moderator for today, doing such a great job. I'd like to thank all the panelists for uh, taking time off their schedule to be with us. I hope that was really informative for the attendees. We're working on another webinar, hopefully scheduled for April, hoping that we can all make it to have another informative, productive session. So thank you so much, and I'll see you in April for the next one. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.